What's going on, NBA fans? It's Kevin Haswell with my co-host, Blake Pace, back for another episode of Courtside Take. we got some interesting topics to go over today. Uh, Blake, how you doing? Not bad. Not bad. There's a lot of cool things going around in the NBA. They announced the All-Star lineups last week, or the starters at least. Um, so, you know. It's gearing up towards, you know, the halfway point of the season. Trade deadline's picking up. It's exciting. Yeah, and, you know, how about Joel Embiid making the Eastern Conference starting lineup over Porzingis? I know you're salty about that, so yeah. uh, we'll touch on that later. But um, let's, you know, we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is going through each position uh, in the NBA and naming our top five players. So, Blake, we'll, we'll go to small forwards today. What are your top five small forwards in the NBA? Yeah, so at, at five, I've got Paul George now in Oklahoma City. Um it's having a, a really good year, you know, playing alongside Westbrook. I know that it, it was shaky at first, but they've really found their groove now. You know, shooting percentage isn't great this year. You know, he's never been a great percentage-wise shooter, 43% from the field, you know, just under 43 from three. Um, but, you know, 20.8 points per game, 5.5 rebounds and three assists, you know, 18.1 PR. I really like him. He's got things going. It's great um, secondhand to Russell Westbrook. Uh, after that, I have Giannis at number four. The Greek Freak, uh, 28.2 points, 10 rebounds, 4.6 assists. Um, you know, still hasn't found that outside game, shooting 28% from three, but, you know, a PER of 29.4, uh, that's undeniable. He's the reason that team has any success. Um, at three, you know, maybe just because we haven't seen him this year that much, but I've got Kawhi Leonard. Um, I still think he's the third best small forward in the league. Only played nine games, and, you know, they were kind of easing him in, so the numbers aren't great. 16 points per game, four rebounds, two two assists, and, you know, the shooting percentages weren't great. But he's coming back from, you know, uh, injuries. He's out again. The only reason I'd still put him above Giannis at this point is because, you know, when, yes, the Spurs always end up at that 50-win range, but, you know, with Kawhi, they had found that new star. And Giannis, I understand there are problems in Milwaukee, but sometimes if you are if you want to be, you know, a top three player in the league, you make your team better than what their record is right now, and they are struggling. Um, then at number two, Kevin Durant didn't want to go with the hot take of putting him over, uh, you know, the goat. But, it wouldn't be uh, a hot take. It would just be a garbage take. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hot garbage take. How about that? Uh, Kevin Durant, number two. Um, you know, it's funny because, like, everyone was talking about, you know, how his numbers were going to change um, going on to the Warriors now and after leaving Oklahoma City. And, you know, a career average of 27.1 points per game. He's only down to 26.2. Um, and his assists are up. Field goal percentage up, three-point percentage is up, uh, effective field goal percentage is up, PER, you know, he's playing with, you know, some of the best players ever. It's, it's the best team assembled probably in league history. Um, and you know what, he's, he's, he's honestly the leader for me that, in that team anymore. It's, it's, it's not, to me, Steph Curry's team necessarily. It's, it's Kevin Durant's, in my opinion. And then at number one, you know, it's, it's LeBron James. It's, it's always LeBron James. It'll always be LeBron James, in my opinion. Um, you know, the Cavs are struggling, but I, I kind of see that as the past few regular seasons, the Cavs and, and LeBron specifically, they kind of take it easy because they know that they're going to go far in the playoffs. And um, so, you know, they, they kind of, you know, the the defense isn't great. So, you know, they take it a little slow at the beginning of the year and then really kick things up. But LeBron, just under 28 point, 27 points a game, almost eight rebounds, almost nine assists, shooting 55% from the field is great. Um, effective field goal percentage of 60 Um He's he's the best small forward to ever play the game. Um, I want to say by the end of his career that he's the greatest of all time. He's definitely the number one power forward in the league. Yeah, I, I mean, I like your top five. Uh, I have the same top five, but 
slightly different order. Uh, Paul Paul George at number five. You know, like you said, the twenty points a game. The, the most impressive thing for me is the two point two steals a game. What he's bringing that Oklahoma City de- or Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder defense this season is uh, unlike any other. And then Kawhi Leonard, I penalized him, put him behind Giannis. I put him at number four because of the injuries. Uh, I, you know, he's probably one of the best two-way players of this bunch. Uh, all, all five of these guys are actually great two-way players. But uh, Kawhi is probably the best defensively among all of these players. So, you know, I put him in at number four simply off injuries. But, you know, if he was healthy, I'd probably put him at three. Then at Giannis at number uh, at number three, you know, if Giannis could develop a jump shot, I know we've said this on past episodes, if he could j- develop a jump shot, he would be – probably the best player in the NBA. But, you know, without that jump shot and, and, you know, how this Bucks team is playing, I can't really put him above the top two. Uh, I got Kevin Durant at number two. You know, everyone, like you said, everyone questioned what he was going to do when he went over the Warriors. Would his points per game go down? His efficiency has gone up and his points per game has slightly gone down. So he's become a better basketball player. I mean, 2.1 blocks per game this year out of small forward. That's pretty good. Um, I mean, he's seven foot, so it's hard to consider him. Like we were talking that about this before the show, but you know, some sites consider him a small or a shooting guard. That's just ridiculous. I mean, seven foot is averaging over two blocks a game, but you know what he's been doing defensively for the Warriors this year has been, has been great. And then you got to put the King at number one, you know, his production hasn't slowed down. Arguably one of the best years of his career this year. 1.1 blocks a game, 1.7 steals, 1.8 three-pointers. He's in, I believe he's in the top 10 in three-point percentage in the NBA. So LeBron James, one of his best well-rounded years of his career. Um, and I don't think you can leave him out of number one. No, definitely not. And, you know, some people want to because the Cavs are struggling and the Warriors are so dominant right now. But it all comes back to that, you know, LeBron has played you know so many more games than any of these best players of all time in his career just because he makes the finals every single year it seems like and so you know when he knows that he can get there he he doesn't show his best outing in the regular season but when not showing your best outing is 27 8 and 9 while 55 percent that's unbelievable and he will turn it up in the playoffs just like he does every time so you know people want to say Kevin Durant and you know maybe Giannis is coming from him coming for him in the future he has no signs of slowing down to me, honestly. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that. Um, you know, in past in, uh, playoffs, like last year, he averaged over 30 points a game. Uh, in 2014, 2015, he averaged over 30 points. In 2008, 2009, he averaged 35 points per game in the playoffs. So he really does turn it up uh, come playoff time. And, and I'm excited to see how he turns the corner. Um, but that's our top five, I, I think. You know, I, I'd like to see what some other people have. If you have um, any suggestions on your top five and small forward of small forwards in the NBA, you know, at the uh, Pure Sports NBA account, uh, we'll we'll look over those. Maybe talk about some of them next week if we get any responses. Um, but we'll move on. Next topic, you know, there's a lot of fights in the NBA lately. I, I feel like players are just, you know, their attitudes are a little off. You know, do you think these fights are good for the face of the NBA? Like in a marketing aspect, no, because, you know, sponsors don't want to see, you know, you know, who they're sponsoring, you know, being such, you know, a bad face for the organization, maybe in a sense. And, you know, you're trying to, you know, get these young NBA fans being NBA fans for a while. Maybe their parents don't want them watching if they're fighting. Honestly, I love the fights. I, I, you know, it, it might sound awful, but I love seeing players care about the game in an 82 game regular season. I think that 
the regular season in the NBA is is not cared about enough, and because it's such a long season, and basically, you know, at some point, you know, you know, you know, pretty early on or not if you're going to be in the playoffs or not. So then, a lot of teams give up. A lot of teams just, you know, hold their ground and keep a steady thing until going to the um, playoffs. But this just makes the NBA interesting to me. You know, it, it, I know it sounds bad to watch, you know, two grown men just throwing punches at each other, asking to meet out in the back locker room after they've been kicked out or trying to sneak into a locker room to, you know, fight some guys or whatever. But it, it's just interesting storylines that still make the regular season intriguing because, honestly, you get you – get, Two matchups a year with the Cavs and Warriors in the regular season. Those are fun to watch if they're not blowouts. But, um, you know, with the way the league is and how there's a lot of teams that are just really bad, it's tough to, you know, market the regular season. But if you've got, you know, teams that don't like each other, like last year with with the Celtics and the Wizards, I wanted to watch every Celtics-Wizards game because I knew that they were going to go at each other. Definitely. And so it just makes it more interesting to me when there's all those fights. What do you think about it? You know, people, like, question the effort level during the regular season from some of these guys, but... I think at the end of the day, these fights really bring out the best in every player on the court because, you know, players throws a punch at you, you're going to want to score 30 on them. Exactly. You know, you want to talk with your game. And at the end of the day, the NBA is always questioned for the effort. Like I said, it's questioned for its effort during the regular season, uh, especially with some of the teams uh, towards the top. Like people, you know, criticize LeBron for not going 100% every game. Um, and, and people praise Russell Westbrook for going hard every minute of every game. But I think the fights bring out the best in both teams. And, you know, it, it fuels a fire. And I, I really like that Wizards-Celtics series they brought up because, you know, after each game there was always something interesting. Teams yeah. wanted to fight. Kelly Oubre got kicked out of the game for, for shoving. Is it Markeith Morris? No, uh, no, not Markeith Morris. Uh, Kelly or Kelly Olenek. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, uh, these, these fights just, you know, I think they just pull the ratings up for fans, make them want to watch the game. Uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, who wants to watch a Nets-Lakers regular season game? But, you know, if D'Angelo Russell's punching uh, Lonzo Ball in the face, then maybe someone wants to watch it. Yeah, and, like, especially with, you know, the the recent big fight that I, I really appreciated, I guess, was between the Rockets and Clippers. The Clippers, you know, the, there was all those fights going on in that game. The Clippers won. And, you know, they've got their they're throwing jabs after the game. They're trying to sneak in and have talks with each other. Um I wouldn't have been interested in watching Rockets Clippers because the Rockets are so good and the Clippers are really struggling this year. But because they have that, you know, angst towards each other, I want to tune in and see what's next. You know, can the Clippers beat them again because, you know, they're they're riding high on their momentum after winning the first one and, you know, kind of egging them on. So, you know, games like that are just more interesting in, in a long regular season. That's, you know, kind of tough to stay a, a big-time fan for, especially if you're on a team that's, you know, either really good and coasting into the playoffs or really bad and just waiting till the draft. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, we saw, uh, I know we're both going towards our own teams here, but, uh, you know, you saw with the Sixers a couple, uh, I think it was about a week ago, when, you know, Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry got into it towards the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's going to make their next matchup so much more exciting for fans. Yeah. And I'm excited, you know, to see the matchup between Kyle Lowry and Ben Simmons next time they play. So it, it, it does build the excitement between two teams. Um, and, and it's always great between when it happens in, when it happens between two playoff teams. So mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to see you know what this does down the stretch for the NBA. Yeah, and, and even we we're just talking about our teams. Even the, with trash talking, you know, is just interesting to see because uh, Ennis Cantor keeps posting out on Twitter, social media, just trash. calling out LeBron. Hashtag strive for greatness. Jeff Green 
hit up Ennis Cantor and said, hey, you better watch out. LeBron's going to drop 50 on you the next time that the Cavs come to town. So now, you know, you know, great, the Knicks are screwed out of another game because LeBron's just going to take over, put up 50 on Ennis Cantor. But, you know, I'm I'm intrigued to watch that matchup and see them get into it. So, you know, it's it's just it's more fun that way. It's interesting because the NBA has almost built itself on an entertainment brand. Exactly. Along with being a basketball uh, league. So, you know, this just adds into more entertainment for the fans, and I personally mm-hmm. think it's good for the game. Uh, I think, you know, they might need to calm it down a little bit. Uh, referees maybe control the game a little bit more. But, you know, a fight every now and then breaking out, you know, I think it's best for the NBA. So we'll move on to our next topic. Uh, Ty Lu, this Cavaliers team, probably the one of the worst Cavaliers teams we've seen since LeBron came to the Cavs, uh, what, four or five years ago. And, you know, you could argue he's on the hot seat because they're just not playing well and the talent they have on that roster, they're just not playing well defensively. Do you think he gets fired or do you think it's going to take a catastrophic playoff uh, early bounce for him to get fired? I I really think that if the Cavs front office management and ownership are really trying to put forward the best effort to give a go against Golden State again, that they have to fire Ty Lue. You know, when they fired David Blatt, it was like a lot of LeBron in the locker room being like, no, we like Ty Lue, bring him in instead of David Blatt. And so David Blatt, you know, they cut him away and they got Ty Lue, you know, their guy there. And the problem with having your guy there is when things get a little rough, you know, your guy isn't pushing you as hard or you guys are too buddy-buddy with each other. And I think that's the way it's gotten with Ty Lue and the Cavs. I don't think that this is his team and they're the players that he's coaching. It's kind of he's just the head coach that the players are just you know, doing whatever they want and then putting, losing, you know, giving up 150 points to Oklahoma City. Um, so I really think that the the Cavs are in a really tough place. I know I've, I've said, you know, it's just the regular season. I know I'm, you know, kind of going up against what I said, but I really think that if they want to bring in a good mentality going into the playoffs, it, it, it will upset the players because they like Ty Lue, but you need a coach that is going to drive your team into, you know, getting the mindset going, getting the, the gears moving. And I don't think that Ty Lue can do that anymore. Yeah, my thing is, you know, throughout LeBron's career, he's been most success, the most successful when he's had a good coach yeah. behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone criticized Eric Spolstra at first, thinking that he was basically the puppet behind LeBron. But at the end of the day, we're seeing it with the Miami Heat nowadays. He's actually a good coach. Yeah. So, you know, it's no... No mistake that they won two multiple championships with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given they did have Dwayne Wade, LeBron, and Chris Bosh on those teams, but I I just don't think Ty Lue's a good coach at the end of the day. And I think they need to pair LeBron with a really good you know X's and O's coach that can help him on the floor um, and and maybe manage his minutes. You know, you see with Greg Popovich, one of the biggest reasons that he's successful is he's able to manage the minutes of his players that are older. Um, and that's why they're so successful in the playoffs. So, you know, I, I think they need a new face with this with this Cavaliers team. I think they need to make a trade at the trade deadline, and then they need to fire Ty Lue and go out and get a better head coach. Um, and if they make those two moves, I think they have a chance to beat the Warriors. But if they go into the playoffs with the same team they have now with Ty Lue as their head coach, they got no shot. Maybe even making out of the Eastern Conference, they they could be challenged. No, oh, yeah, and especially when you know, like you said, that making out of the Eastern Conference, the Celtics have. A better coach, they have a better bench, you know, younger legs. The only thing that they don't have is LeBron James. And, you know, I just saw a video of, of uh, Gordon Hayward. You know, he's back on a court shooting basketballs. And so, you know, well, I don't think he'll be back in the regular season. If he's ready in the Eastern Conference Finals, 
you know, slide him in off the bench, and that's another that's a great player there that can bring some trouble to the Cavs. And yeah, like you said, the Cavs aren't equipped right now. I don't, you know, their depth, um, their coaching staff. You know, I think Celtics got to beat both then. You know, if LeBron can take over like he always does, and and move on to the finals, then you know they're fine. But you know, you're not beating Golden State with the way they are right now. Yeah, I, ju- I just think at the end of the day they're gonna have to tra- or they're gonna have to trade for someone at the deadline. Yeah, I think. You know, if they have Ty Lue as their head coach and they go out and make a trade, they need to do one or the other. Yeah. They need to get rid of Ty Lue or they need to make a deal at the deadline. Mm-hmm. And if neither of those happen, I don't think this Cavs team even makes it out of the Eastern Conference, especially with how they're playing defense lately. I know they're 28th in the NBA in defensive rating. I mean, that's pitiful, especially with a team with LeBron on. Uh, I mean, they should they should be better defensively. But um, we'll move on. Uh, we're we're going to talk about some players, maybe their best fits. It was rumored earlier this week that the – the Hornets were uh, willing to part ways and trade Kemba Walker in a blockbuster deal. Like, where do you see Kemba as the best fit, and, and what kind of package do you think he can bring in? Um, the team that came to my head right away was the Knicks, um, and I know that this they're they're actually the the Hornets are trying to reach out to New York to get the trade done because apparently that's where Kemba Kemba doesn't want to be moved, but if he does get moved, he would prefer New York. You know, he's had a great career inside Madison Square Garden, yeah. even his college days. Um, the only thing that worries me about that from a Knicks perspective is that I think the asking price is going to be too high for Kemba Walker. Um, the reports are they want a first-round pick and a young player, and they also want to send a big contract with it. And so for the Knicks, that would be you know giving up their first-round pick, Frank Natilakina, their rookie point guard, who I think you know doesn't have the offense yet, but is going to be great defensively. Um, but you know if there's a there's a location. Elsewhere that I think could use an upgraded point guard that's currently a playoff team, um, you know, that's tough. Milwaukee already solved their problems with Eric Bledsoe. They're not going to bring in Kemba um, in the Western Conference. You know, I don't know if it's a directly an upgrade if you want to do it. Move on from Jeff Teague already. Um, so I don't really think there's many great places for Kemba if he wants to go to a playoff team. And so, you know, the Knicks make the most sense, but I'm a little worried about the asking price. There is one team on my radar. I, I think the Denver Nuggets could be oh, a good option for yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't really have a solid point guard. Yeah. I think I don't think Moutier is really the the future there. I think if they added in Kemba Walker, you know, with Gary Harris yeah. um, and some of those other young guys that they have on that roster, I, I think he'd be a great fit there. Now the question is the asking price, like you were talking about, could be too high. Uh, but the other team, you know, the Timberwolves. I, I think you know you, you were hesitant to to speak about them getting rid of Jeff Teague, but I think that's a great option. I think Kemba Walker is much better than Jeff Teague, especially at this point in his career. And I think that would make this Timberwolves team jump, you know, into one of the top three teams in the Western Conference. Um, but then again, you have to talk about what the package would be. I think mm-hmm. it's just too expensive for them to go. Uh, it's too expensive for the Nuggets. You know, some of these playoff teams, they have to keep their teams intact while getting Kemba Walker, and that's hard to do when, when the uh, Hornets are asking for that big of a package. So, you know, there's probably a lot of good fits out there for them, but it, are people willing to give up the package? Probably not. Yeah, and, and the Denver I didn't even think about. I think that actually might be the – if they can't get the deal with the Knicks like Kemba wants, I think that might be the best chance for them. I think that they've got a lot of two guards especially that, um, you know, are young guys that they might, you know, send back to Charlotte. Maybe their first-round pick if they make a push to the playoffs. Maybe it doesn't mean that much. Um, I guess the concern would be bringing on a big contract. But, yeah, the, the Nuggets – They've been struggling a little this year to get things going. You know, they're they're trying to fit in the offense with Paul Millsap, Jokic, and they've got young wings that I really like. Um, 
but they, you know, the point guard is a big hole for them. And Moutier, like you said, former, I think he was might have been the sixth or seventh overall pick. He's, you know, really bad defensively. Doesn't have much of a shot. So, like, I, you know, like I, I agree. You know, Moutier probably won't be the point guard of their future. If they want to get Kemba, you know, maybe make the maybe make the offer. Um, but it will be tough. The the thing with Minnesota is, I think that you would have to try and trade Teague separately to another team. Because I don't think Kemba would want, or the Hornets would be like, yeah, we'll give you Kemba if you send us Teague and a young player. I think they want to get rid of their cap space. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I just went through the standings, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and like you said, there's not many sense. other good fits other than that. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe Utah. Um, yeah. Depends how much they like Ricky Rubio exactly. and and where they're at in the standings. Are they really going to go for it this year? Um, but I don't know if there's a contending team that would really want him because of what they have to give up. So I think it it might have to be a team like the Knicks, someone that's looking to rebuild and looks at Kemba as maybe as a face of a franchise, Mm -hmm. um, especially with what they're giving up. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, I'm hoping this trade deadline is uh, exciting because, you know, the last couple haven't been that great. But, you know, let's move on. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, rumored to go to the Bucs. They still haven't made that move. You know, also in conversations with the Cavs, where where do you think he fits best and, and what kind of package do you think they, they'll uh, they'll reel in for him. Yeah, so I, I honestly think that um, he's a package deal with Lou Williams, in my opinion, if they're going to make a trade. I think if I think I want to package them together in my mind because I think that the teams that are going to be looking to trade for DeAndre Jordan are also teams that are looking and they need bench help. You know, I, I, there are three teams in the Eastern Conference that make sense to me that they need a great defensive center and bench help. And... Um, the Cavs and Bucks are the two that I think can give back the best return. Um, I think that the Bucks could send one of their young guys, maybe if they already are giving up on Thon Maker, send that in a first-round pick, something else maybe. The Cavs, you've got that Brooklyn pick. I know we've talked about that for a couple weeks now. I'm not really ready to give that up if I'm the Cavs, but if you think we got one last shot, let's bring in a stud defensive player and a great scorer off the bench in Lou Williams, then you do that. The third team that would make sense to me in the Eastern Conference and might not be able to give the best return, so maybe it's not possible, but the Washington Wizards is something is a team that I think about. I think their problems last year in the playoffs is they didn't have great bench depth. And Lou Williams, if he was coming off the bench, that'd be great for them. Um, you know, DeAndre, they also, I, I'm not a big Gortop fan. I think defensively he's not the greatest. And I think DeAndre Jordan is for sure an upgrade. Um, the only problem is, you know, what you have to give back. You know, of course, there's going to be a first-round pick that you'd have to give back. And I also think you'd have to give away Kelly Oubre, who, you know, has been, you know, growing up the past few years in the league, two years, but... You know, maybe if you think we should strike while the iron's hot and the Western Conference is up for grabs, maybe as they might see it, then you do make that trade. Um, but those are the three main ones that I think uh, for both of them. I really like the Wizards. I think yeah. the Wizards, if they got DeAndre Jordan, they quickly jump in uh, to the top of the Eastern Conference with some of those teams up there. I just think with John Wall and you put him with DeAndre Jordan on fast breaks, I mean, they, they would be pretty unstoppable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the other two. Uh, the Cavs, I think, are a great fit. I think you know he'll help them so much defensively. Uh, but then again, it, well, not then again. Actually, I think the Cavs, you know, have the most beneficial package for themselves yeah. to trade for DeAndre Jordan. They can get rid of players that really aren't helping them defensively um, and, and sure up this defense by getting DeAndre Jordan. So, you know, I think that's the best fit fit for him. But then again, you go to the Bucks. I think he can take this Bucks team into the top of the Eastern Conference as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I don't see a Western Conference team uh, in the mix for DeAndre Jordan, no. so I, I think it's going to stay in the, or he's going to move conferences regardless. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of you know packaging with Lou Williams. I think 
there's a big possibility that they keep DeAndre Jordan, but I think there's no way they keep Lou Williams. Yeah. I think Lou Williams has to go. Uh, great scorer off the bench. Great can't. Tr- Great trade candidate because you probably only have to trade like a first round pick for him, um, especially with the way he's playing. So, you know, a lot of these contenders, I mean, even the Cavs or uh, you know the Celtics or mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, I, I I could see the Rockets are going back and getting him again. Um, I I just think Lou Williams fits on so many different teams with what he can do off the bench. Uh, what do you think about Lou Williams? I know you you think that. He'll be in a package deal with DeAndre, but if he's traded separately, where do you think he's best fit? Um, I would say still best fit with with the Wizards and Cavs. I'm keeping him in the Eastern Conference. I think my my thing with Lou Will is at first when he was you know he had that 50 point game, it was like oh the Clippers are in contract extension talks, and that that upset me immediately because my problem with the Clippers is they're too old. Neil Gallinari's getting old. Lou Williams is 31 years old. Um, and that's not someone that I'm going to want to extend just because he's a great guy off the bench. Um, and, you know, some of the wing guys in Cleveland have regressed for sure. Shumpert, Smith, Dwayne Wade has even regressed. Cal um, Korver is a little step down. So, you know, that's maybe another guy that you just got to bring in. Um, Washington needs bench help, especially at the two guard. I think Lou Williams could provide that. Um, and like we just talked about on, on the Pure Sports podcast uh, earlier today, we talked about um, we talked about the Heat, who are now the fourth seed in the East, maybe potentially needing another score now that they've lost Deion Waiters. If they really think that they can contend in the East, maybe they try and get Lou Williams. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's interesting because he's one of those players that I think has to go to a contender. I don't think if you're a team outside of playoff contention, you're going to trade for him. No. So it's kind of opposite of Kemba Walker, I think. Yeah. Kemba Walker has to go to a team outside of the playoff hunt, simply off what you have to give up, but. You know, you, you could see, I could even see a team like the Wizards, um, lack of bench help, you know, bring him off the bench. I think he'd be a great fit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, do they, they should probably start keeping their draft picks considering they haven't had a draft pick in like two years. Yeah. So, um, giving up a first round for Lou Williams, you know, if you're going all in, then maybe, but I don't think they should do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, we'll move on. We'll move past Lou Williams and, and our last trade candidate, Nikola Mirotic. He's been great. Um, for the Chicago Bulls this year. He's only 26 years old, 23.4 player efficiency rating, shooting 48% from the field, averaging 17.3 points and 6.8 rebounds per game. Blake, where do you where do you see Miritich the best fit? Yeah, he's another guy just because of even the money he's making that I think would be interesting if you put him on a contender as, you know, maybe, you know, if you're putting him on a contender, then he's coming off the bench. I really think he could be a starter in some places, um, but he has only started three games this year, so that's an interesting thing to think about with the Bulls. Um, one team I really thought of was uh, Utah, um, specifically their their wing positions. Um, you know, they lost Gordon Hayward. Joe, they paid Joe Ingles. You know, he hasn't been great. Derek Favors is getting old. I think that Utah would be a nice place um, to take on a, a semi-young uh, wing guy who can, you know, um, you know, potentially be a good fit for them. Um, you know, it's tough. I what 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 places are you thinking? Because there's that. I personally don't think they should trade Miritich. Oh, I think yeah. at the end of the day, he's only 26 years old. He's playing really well. I think you need to hold on to him. I think he can be a stakeholder in that lineup for years to come. You know, but but you know the value there. Um, you know, you could probably go out and, and get good value for him. So. You know, I, I could see a team like the Spurs maybe making a move for him, yeah. um, provide some three-point help, 
You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're struggling to score a little bit without Kawhi. Uh, they're a nice little option. I could also see a team like Toronto um, maybe making that move. I'm not sure how he would fit in. Um, I'm not a big fan of Serge Ibaka, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, maybe Indiana. Indiana's, you know, right on that fringe, but do they think they're contenders? Maybe not. The Heat, another good option, but, you know, where are the Heat? Are they contenders? Are they not? We, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't see a lot of fits. I'd say the Spurs are probably my, my favorite. Yeah. Um, I, th- I just think, you know, put them under the wing of Pau Gasol. And, That'd be interesting. And, you know, he provides them scoring help off the bench going into the playoffs. So, I think the Spurs, but at the end of the day, the Bulls shouldn't trade him. I think he's too young, too talented. Um, but it's going to be enticing with all the offers they're going to get for him. Yeah, the only thing is if you can like count on Miritich to be able to get it done at the three and be quick enough to defend at the three because you know they're loving uh, Baby Dirk, Laurie Markkinen right now, their first round pick, and he's you know he's a power forward. You know maybe you want to try and get him bulked up so he can play some center and put Miritich at the four, but. Um, you know, he seems to be the odd man out in this this core of young guys that they have right now. Um, so I think that they will try and look and trade. I, You know, maybe they should keep him. You know, I also wouldn't be opposed to that. I like what Chicago is building right now with their young guys. They just got Zach Levine back. You know, a couple other teams that I don't like, their wing players. You know, this is talking if you can have them at the three or maybe at uh, the four. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers, um, they seem to be a kind of a mess right now and need wing help desperately. I know we talked about that one of our first episodes. Um I didn't think about that. That's a good fit. Another team, if if he's playing the three, I don't know what the return would be or what you'd have to give up, but the Pelicans also desperately need help on the wings, and he's a good shooter. So, you know, that's another team in the playoffs right now that I think could use an upgrade, um, whether he comes off the bench as a four or starts as a three, they could use some shooting. Um, but, yeah, if I'm, a, if I'm a bad, if I'm like a, a, a bad team in the league, I'm not trading for him, I think, just because his contract is also running up soon. Um but yeah, if you want, if you need depth and shooting, I would go and try and get Miritich. Yeah, I, you know, I, at the end of the day, you've heard my opinion. I don't, I think they should hold on to him. Yeah. But um, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Trade deadline will definitely be uh, more interesting than years before. But I just want to talk about one thing for you in this episode. Joel Embiid made the All Star, uh, was named an All Star starter over Kristaps Porzingis. I just wanted to get Blake's take on that. Do you think Kristaps Porzingis is a better player than Joel Embiid, bias aside? The one thing I will say before we get bias aside is that the players did vote for Porzingis over Embiid as a starter. Coaches and the fans voted Coaches for Embiid. Coaches and fans voted for Embiid. I understand so that. So that's two out of three. But who plays the game who? better than anyone else? <laughs> the players. And the Who's... players see that Porzingis is... I, listen. Who, but, but the people that are right outside the game and see every game are the coaches. And they voted for Embiid. And then the fans well, the f- voted for Embiid, too. The fans too. vote for Embiid because Embiid's got just more of that social media presentation, that, that representation that Porzingis doesn't have, you know. Embiid's that funny, goofy guy always making jokes and stuff on the side, and he's all over Twitter and his stuff with Rihanna. He's just a funny guy. So I think that's why the fans got that one. Um, you know, have I been a little worried about Kristaps the past few weeks? Uh, definitely. Points per game have dipped down from where they were. It seems like he's been getting a little tired, but he's also um, been carrying the workload by himself. Second best player, Tim Hardaway Jr., has been out for a while. He just came back, put up a 31 point against Utah on Friday. Um, but I am kind of worried about about Kristaps' ability to you know play a full season. He seems pretty tired right now. Um, his numbers are dipping down a little, but at the same time, he's still averaging 
you know, 23 points a game, almost seven rebounds, uh, 38% from three. Um, All right, so let's go through those numbers. Do you want to jump on the numbers bandwagon yes. and compare every right. stat? Uh, 33 games played to 41 games played. So Porzingis has played more games. But points per game, Embiid has him 24 points to 23.3. In rebounds, 10.9 for Embiid compared to only 6.7 for Kristaps. But Kristaps doesn't play center. And his canter is our team's leading rebounder. Okay, right, right, right. That's fair. So that's right. Maybe someone so, comes there. So as a passing uh, big man, 3.4 assists for Joel Embiid, 1.2 for Chris Dobbs. Then we go to field goal percentage, 49% for Joel Embiid, 43.6% for Porzingis. Mm-hmm. Three-point percentage, Porzingis has him by about 9%, which is, you know, Porzingis takes more threes than him too. So that's, yeah. you know, that's more valuable. But then free throw percentage, has him or Porzingis and Embiid are both shooting eighty percent. Porzingis has him by 06 percent. So slight there. Uh, effective field goal percentage. Kristaps uh, is at forty eight percent, forty eight point three percent, while Joel Embiid's at fifty one point seven percent. Then you go player efficiency rating twenty point five to what Joel Embiid's twenty three, uh, twenty three point three, and then you get a win shared, which is three point one pours. For Przingis and three point four for Joel Embiid. So we went through how many categories there? We went through four, uh, eleven categories, and Joel Embiid won seven of them. So he earns it stats wise. He earns it personality wise. I don't <laughs> understand why people are so against him. AK, you know, at the end of the day, just trust the process. He's having a great year. Show him some respect. Yeah, no, and I'm not. I'm not trying to down him. I'm not trying to down Embiid. I guess I'm just trying to, you know, up Kristaps a little. And I, I kind of like, you know, I think that the 76ers benefit from better ball movement. Um, you know, the, the Knicks have always been terrible at that since Melo's days. I don't like Jeff Hornacek as a coach. Um, I think there are coaches out there that are much better than him. Um, I don't know. Philly, yeah, like, I agree. Joel Embiid is a great player and deserving of an all-star spot. Would I, would I have loved to see Kristaps be a starter over him? Of course. Did the players vote for him over Embiid? Of course. I also think that might just come from the players liking Porzingis more than Embiid. I think Embiid gets under players' skin, definitely. So I'm looking at offensive and defensive blocks plus minus because I want to invent some, some advanced statistics as well. Advanced. So offensive box plus minus, Porzingis is a negative 0.5 this season. Defensive box plus minus, he's negative 0.2. Altogether, negative 0.8 when he's on the floor. So he's actually hurting the Knicks while he's out on the floor this year. Whereas Embiid... On the offensive side of the ball is 0.4, so slightly above average on the offensive side of the ball. But then 2.8 on defense for 3.2 positive box plus minus. So not only the player efficiency rating was higher, the offensive box plus minus, defensive box plus minus, and the box plus minus were all higher than Porzingis. At the end of the day, just bow down to Porzingis. Or bow down to Embiid. Porzingis? Bow down to Embiid. He deserved the all-star start. And, you know, go Sixers. I will say it'll be really fun, you know, being able to debate these two guys, you know, for the foreseeable future because they are two of the brightest young players in the league. It'll be interesting, you know, having all these talks years from now, seeing where they end up. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, they're both great players. And I think, you know, where the NBA is going is is a bunch of young players just starting to grow up. And it's going to be exciting because after, you know, the LeBrons and the Dwayne Wades and all those guys, you know, Mm -hmm. start to make their way out of the league, we're going to have that new class of guys that we can watch for 10 to 15 years. And these are two guys that are definitely going to be a part of that. So I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be good. So that does it for this week's episode of Courtside Take. 
you know, great episode. Talk through some trades, top five uh, small forwards. A great episode. I'm excited for what we have to come. Blake, any last words? Uh, go Knicks. Yep. Trust the process. Go Sixers. Uh, you can catch us next Monday. Same place. Subscribe, lead, uh, rate, and review on iTunes. And, you know, thanks for joining us. Yep. Take care, guys.